What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Amen. So go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 3, please. Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be in the church of Sardis. Last week I didn't finish, and so I will be emailing you my notes to, uh, if you're connected and you get our emails, you'll get my notes from last week, so apologize. But I felt led that we needed to um, really stop and focus on the spirit of Jezebel, okay? Because we can't have any spirits at work within our church, and that was last week. It spoke about Jezebel exposing any areas in my life that I needed to repent of, but also asking God to give me a pure heart so that I'm not a person that would walk in anything like that, God. So here we are in the church in Sardis. And so, Will, if you could throw up the the picture of of Sardis for me, please. This uh, was a city that was on a cliff on a side of a mountain. And this city was hard to, to, to be captured. The people that lived in this city, uh, they thought, hey, we're, we're not going to be overcome. They were really, really confident because of the walls that were hard to climb and the city was hard to, to, to get through. But here's uh, what happened to the city, not once, but twice. This city was captured, again, not once, but twice. And the reason why it was captured the second time is because they didn't learn from it the first time, and hundreds of years later, they let it happen again, right? History repeats itself if we don't learn from it. And so this area here was captured. The reason why it was captured is because the guards, they went to sleep because they thought nobody could take us. Nobody could take us. We've got this our walls are strong, nobody's getting in. And it was that pride and that arrogance that led to complacency and apathy. And what happened was they, the enemy snuck in at night like a thief. Why is that important? Because we're going to see in this book of Sardis, Jesus says that I'm going to come like a thief in the night when you're not aware. When you're resting in the confidence of and whatever that is, and you're not awake, and you're not wanting or waiting or ready for me. And this is one of the seven churches that were real churches at the time. And Jesus is speaking to them. He's coming and he's speaking to them. Before we start in 3.1, I would like you to go to Mark chapter 2. Always keep your place in Revelation 3. You're always going to be coming back to it. Just kind of an overview of this sermon, if you will, is this passage right here. I think it's, it's a word from, for, for us as a church. It's a word for you as a follower of Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And the people said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? 
And Jesus said to them, can a wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come, and by the way, that's now, when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. And then verse 21, Mark chapter 2, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts a new wine, puts new wine into an old wineskin. If he does, the wine will burst in the skin, and the wine is destroyed. And so are the skins, but the new wine is for fresh wineskins. So what's going on here? We see the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they're fasting. We see John the Baptist, right? People are coming out to him, being baptized. There's revival that's breaking out, okay? And we know that God is with that guy as well because even Jesus went to him. And so Pharisees fasted, John disciples fasted. Jesus, why aren't your disciples fasting? Let me just say, it's a good question, but sometimes there's a, there is a, a methodology behind the question, and here was the methodology. We want to know the right system. We want to know the right system. In the heart of all of us, just tell me what to do so I can go do it. Just tell me what to do. Should I fast? Should I not fast? Tell me what to do so that I can go do it. And we get, we get um, enamored with systems. One of the reasons why I like Jesus when he healed blind people, he did it different every single time. One was a mud pie they put in the guy, you know, one little spit, you know, he just did it differently every time. One where, what do you see? I see trees. So it was a partial healing, but then he had to pray again for more of a healing. It's different every single time. Why? I believe Jesus did that because we would have mud up here on Sunday morning. This is, how, this is how we do it. This is the system. This is the religious system. And what I want to say to us as a church, it's not about the wine skin. It's not about the system. It's about the wine. This is extremely important for us this week as we head into consecration week. Reading the Bible, it's a very good thing. It's God's word. Worshiping, it's a very good thing. We're called to worship. Praying, awesome thing. But if we are not careful, that can become wineskin. Church, come on. If we are not careful, that in itself can turn into wineskin where we're just focused on the system and we forget about the wine. When the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2, what did they think? Those people are drunk off what? Wine. When Jesus came, his first miracle was turning water into and it was just regular water that was transformed into wine. That's what Jesus is about. He is about the wineskin and not the wine. And this church in Sardis represents churches like us who create systems. But if we're not careful, we can forget about what the systems 
our purpose to do, which is hold the wine. It's all about the wine. It's all about the wine. You bring wine over to somebody's house. Oh my gosh, let me just empty that out. And I just want to look at this bottle. It's amazing. Be like, what in the world's going on, bro? You know, so it's not about the wine skin. It's about the wine. It's about the wine. Please overlay that through this, the rest of this message. We've got to be very, very careful because we want a system so bad. Systems are easy. Systems help us. Systems help me just kind of be what? In control. They help me to be in control. This is the system. All right, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, the words of him who has seven spirits, has the seven spirits of God and the, and the seven stars. Now, we just read this in chapter one. Now we're in chapter three. And again, like we've discussed, Jesus brings a specific piece of himself to the church that he's speaking to. So here in Sardis, he brings a specific aspect of himself that this church needs. Now, Will, if you could go ahead and put up the picture of Isaiah 11. So we've already been through this before. We already went through this uh, in chapter one, so I'm not going to have you flip there right now. I actually want you to flip to Zechariah chapter four, Zechariah chapter four. And while you're doing that, I'll just really quick go through this. The words of him who has the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits, seven represents complete, complete. And in Isaiah 11 two, it says that the spirit of the Lord, that's the spirit of wisdom, spirit of counsel, spirit of knowledge, spirit of fear, might, understanding, the Lord, those are seven things. It's the complete fullness of the Holy Spirit that's represented there. Now, you see at the bottom of this picture, Revelation 4, 5. We're going to come back to that in a minute, but before God's throne, you see this seven lamps, which represent the fullness of the Holy Spirit before the throne of God. And so why seven spirits? It's because this church needs the Holy Spirit. This church needs the wine. They had great wineskins, but no wine. This church needed the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Why the seven stars? Well, again, the seven stars are the angels or the messengers. And so the seven stars, Jesus is saying, I'm the one with the seven stars. Here's this message. You need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. So let's go to Zechariah chapter 4. Let's look in verse 1. And here you're going to see this pictured again. Now, guys, this is kind of like educational, educational time. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you just track with this because it's kind of wordy. But it's good. It's good 
foundation so you can see what's being talked about. Zechariah 4, and again, this is the Old Testament as well, and you're going to see the Holy Spirit listed here, and you're going to see the Holy Spirit listed in Revelation 4 and 5. So Zechariah 4, 1, it says, The angel who talked with me came again and woke me, like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. So awaken, awaken, awaken. You're going to see that in Sardis. Wake up, wake up. You're going to see that twice, actually. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Verse 2, and he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand. I want to highlight that, a lampstand. So what he's seeing is what's pictured on the screen with a, a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. There were two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you know, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord. It might be highlighted in your Bible. If not, do so, please now. Not by might. This is the word. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Then he continues on, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top of the stone amidst the shouts of grace, grace to it. You receive the Holy Spirit through grace, through grace, through grace. So again, Revelation 4, 5. Actually, go, keep your place here. We're going to come. I want you to kind of go back. Revelation, go to Revelation 4. I want to walk, walk through it so you can, so can kind of do some uh, uh, right above different verses, the connection so that you can see it. All right? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is what Francis Chan calls the forgotten God. And we, and we need to repent of that, by the way, because that's just the reality. The Holy Spirit is always with us, but man, how often throughout our day are we walking in the Spirit, like acknowledging the Spirit's presence in our movement? Not much. We forget He's with us because you can't see Him, right? can't see Him. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind, Jesus says. But to walk in the Spirit means you have to acknowledge that He is with you, that He's with you. And so, Revelation 4, 5, look what it says. Before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. So you see what it's saying. There's seven spirits of God, seven torches of fire. That's the same thing that's listed in Zechariah chapter 4. But when Zechariah chapter 4 talks about this lampstand with the seven, the fullness of God, it's talking about God. And the verse that's so important is not by might, not by power, but by my what? Spirit. It's by the Spirit of God. It's by the Spirit of God. Now I want you to go back to Zechariah 4, and again, keep your place in Revelation there. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel, I have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands shall complete it. 
I'd like you to highlight that, please. His hands shall complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the seven eyes of the Lord, and I want you to highlight that, please, which range through the whole earth. Now, with that highlighted, you could write above that Revelation 5, 6, and I'd like you to turn to Revelation 5, 6, please. And again, thank you for hanging on because there's a lot of information here. Revelation 5, 6, now you're before the Lamb of God. It says, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes. So again, there we see that reference, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the whole earth. That is the same phrase that's used in Zechariah chapter 4. These are the seven eyes of the Lord's which range through the whole earth. So the same description of the Holy Spirit that's given in Revelation, excuse me, given in Zechariah is used in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. Why is that important? Here's why. In Revelation chapter 4, you see Father God on the throne. In Revelation chapter 5, you see the lamb that was slain that is worthy. And so Christianity believes in the Trinity, the triune God. Well, why doesn't the Holy Spirit have chapter 6? Does that make sense? Why doesn't the Holy Spirit have his own chapter? Because the Holy Spirit is listed in Revelation chapter 4 and listed in Revelation chapter 5 According to the Old Testament in Zechariah chapter 4, the full description of the Holy Spirit is listed in both places, and you get the fullness of the Holy Spirit in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. Does that make sense? I know that's a lot, but it's important that doctrinally you understand that because Jesus is God, the Father is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is in every single believer. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. And so Jesus comes now. (laughs) It took me a long time to get here. The question is, why does he come? Why does he come with this? Lampstand. Why does why why does why does he come with this with this fire burning? Why does he come with this description of himself? Right, the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. It's because the seven stars are the angels, they're the messengers. Here's the message: Church, you're dead. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has left the building. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, can Jesus say that to bow down? Oh, yeah, he can. And this is why we need to wake up, church. There's stars that have burned out, but their light is still coming. Scientifically. 
because light travels a really long way. I mean, I'm not going to get all scientific on you. The star's dead, but the light's still coming. How many churches keep pointing back to what used to be, what used to happen, what we once did? And bow down. Bow down can be right in that boat with them. This is why we've got to humble ourselves before God. And we've got to cry out, oh God, please, please, God, have mercy upon us. We want you, God. We want you, Holy Spirit. We want you to fill us individually. We want to be filled collectively. We want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We want all that you have, God, in our life. Let that be the cry. Let that be the cry. Let that be the cry. Because this church had great doctrine, but no Holy Spirit. Let's continue on with verse 1. It says, I know your works. Revelation 3, verse 1. I know your works. Again, this is full knowledge. I know your works. Has it occurred to you that Nothing has occurred to God. He knows it all. He's here in our midst. He's looking in our church today. It says you have a reputation. You have a reputation. Now that Greek word for reputation is O-N-O-M-A. It's where we get the word denominations. Denominations. It's where it comes from. It says, you have this reputation of being alive, but you're dead. This is Jesus talking. Your denomination was alive, has a reputation, but it's dead. We'll go ahead and put up the chart of the, the church history. And so here's where we've been as we go through the different churches We've been talking about Thyatira, okay? And, and so now what happened with Thyatira is uh, Wycliffe Bible, tran- uh, tr- uh, Wycliffe who, who, who translated the Bible started doing that. Luther began to see things that were not right in Catholicism and the Roman Catholic Church. And all of a sudden the Reformation happens. And so in 1517, Luther nailed 95 theses to the door. And now the Protestant Reformation comes in. Protestant, yeah, that means protesters. They were protesting the rule of the Roman Catholic Church because they saw things in the church that weren't lining up to the word of God. And so this Reformation was of God. Doctrine was corrected. But now dead. Now dead. Again, if we're not careful, we can start out with very new and good wine, but then create a wine skin and then get so focused on wine skin in order to keep control because we have to have our systems down that we forget about the wine of the Holy Spirit. And that, unfortunately, is the history of the Protestant churches. Now, I'm going to offend some people, but that's okay. Just 
continue to humble, humble yourself. I want to be humble. We've we got to humble ourselves, and, and we've just got to kind of listen. What I don't want to happen is for anybody to walk out of here saying, oh, that denomination, that denomination, that denomination. Look, bow down. Bow down could become a denomination, okay? We're non-denominational, but it's not like, oh, we're so much better than denominations. That's not it. That's not it at all, okay? But here's, here's what happens. Uh, the other night, I'm, I'm, I'm at the dinner with my wife, and the waiter was wearing a, a, a gold cross, right? So my wife says, hey, what church do you go to? And the response was, I'm Catholic. So all of a sudden, the name that this person was walking in was not Jesus. It was a denomination, I, have you guys ever met anybody like, well, I'm, 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 so, so my grandmother is Lutheran, right? We're Lutherans. We're, Lu- I heard Lutheran all the time. Never heard Jesus. Never heard Jesus. Lutheran, Lutheran, Lutheran. No Jesus, no Jesus, no Jesus. And people get so enamored with their denomination and, and, and what it is that, hey, this is what I am. No, that is not what you are. That's wineskin. You have a reputation. You have this reputation. Look, I am so thankful for Martin Luther breaking away and causing the Reformation. But the fire died in the Lutheran church, and the majority of the Lutheran church aligned themselves with Adolf Hitler. Could it happen with us? Yes, it could. There was a real revival that was happening with Wesley, and he, became, he, he started this method, and people would do discipleship in these small groups, and the fire of God was moving, and revival was happening, and it became the Methodist movement, but over time, it looks nothing like it was in the beginning. Baptist, oh man, phenomenal, God was moving, over time, the Southern Baptist said, hey, we want to keep our slaves, so we're going to break away from the Northern Baptist and start the Southern Baptist. Where's the fire? Where's the fire? Now, listen, Southern Baptists have repented, okay, if you're Baptist or Southern Baptist, they've, they've repented from the stage, okay, you're forgiven, if you're Methodist, if you're Presbyterian, hey, whatever it is, listen, I'm not, the, the, don't, don't, don't miss the point of what Jesus is saying here. Don't miss the point of what Jesus is, because I'm messing with some of your stuff, I can see it. Jesus says you're dead. You're dead. You're relying on the wrong thing. And this is why scripture warns in 2 Timothy 3. It says, there's people that you should avoid. Avoid people like this. They have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. They have everything so intricately and doctrinally right. They have this form of godliness, but they deny its power. Verse 2, it says, wake up, 
Wake up, because it's not about the wineskin, it's about the wine. Wake up, it means be watchful. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Strengthen what remains, yeah. There was some good that came out of the, proper, the, the Protestant Reformation. And Will, if you could put up the five solas, please. This is what we got when we broke away. When I say Protestant, right, I'm one of them, guys, all right? And, and you're probably one of them too, right? This is what we got from that. This was really good and right, right? Grace alone, it's by grace alone. Roman Catholic. Catholic, the church was like, hey, if you pay me this money, I'll absolve your sins, and you could also get people out of purgatory. Like, there was some really jacked up stuff that was happening, and so here we have this stuff coming out of the Reformation period where it's grace alone. You're saved by grace alone. There's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. Your salvation is by Faith alone and grace alone. And that's the next one. Faith alone. That your faith is in Christ alone. Not your works. Not your membership to a certain denomination. In Christ alone. For his glory alone. In his scripture alone. And we're seeing, by the way. A lot of the mainline denominations moving off of his scripture alone because people are being ordained that shouldn't be ordained. And let me just say to you, this church can go down that path. We think we're all that in a bag of chips because we do consecration. That kind of pride, (laughs) that kind of pride, that kind of pride, we're starting to develop a a wineskin. It's all about the spirit, guys. It's all about Jesus. All right, verse 2. Our verse two continued, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Now, Zechariah 4, 9, remember I, I told you to stay there, I think. If not, you can go there or you can just trust me. It says, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid a foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Zerubbabel completed something what did he complete well and how did he complete it was a better question it's not by might it's not by power but it's by the holy spirit if anything is going to be completed it's got to be done in the power of the holy spirit not in our doctrines not in the wine skin it's got to be the holy spirit of god Please turn to Galatians 3.3. 3. And I'm having you turn here because, because I, I, I pray that you go and read the whole chapter because it's powerful. But listen, this is, this is what has, has happened to the Protestant church. Now again, not all. There are some Baptist churches that are full of the Holy Spirit and God is moving. Presbyterian church is full of the Holy Spirit. God is moving. There's churches that, that, that are on fire for God. 
Because again, it's, it's not about the wineskin, it's about the wine. In Galatians 3.3, 3, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, having begun by the power of the Holy Spirit? That's how your salvation started, by the way. It wasn't because you made a decision. It's because the Holy Spirit was moving upon your corrupt heart and you realized how wretched you were, how much of a a rebel you were before a holy God and you said, oh God, I need you. I realize that you died for my sins on the cross and I am undone. I deserve what you got, but you loved me and you took what I deserved. Oh God, have mercy upon me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Reckon, those recognize they need God. Theirs is the kingdom. Salvation comes when we understand our depravity and our need for a holy God. And Paul's telling this church, guys, you began by the spirit And now, what are you going to do? You're going to be perfected by the flesh. All of these rules, all of these rituals, all of these doctrines, all of these things that you got to do, you got to do that. You think you're going to be brought all the way into the fullness of God by the flesh? No, that's foolish. It is by the Holy Spirit. That's why it says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. That's what it's talking about with Zerubbabel in the verse in Zechariah 4. Not by my, not by power, but by my spirit. It is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in your great thinking, not in your fancy plans, not through your edumacation. It's by the Holy Spirit. It's by the Spirit. The only way to complete what's been started is to do it in the Spirit. And God, Jesus is saying, I've not found your works complete in the sight of God. Verse 3, remember, remember then. So now he looks at their situation and he just doesn't leave them there. See, that's the difference between conviction of the Holy Spirit and condemnation. Conviction of the Holy Spirit says, hey, this is the problem for sure, but here's what I want you to do. If you're ever stuck in a place where you are hopeless, helpless, and you just feel condemned, understand that's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God wants to raise the dead to life. The Spirit of God wants to cause the blind to see. This is what God's Spirit does. But God was saying to this church, remember then. What you've received, what you've heard, keep it and repent. Repent means to think again. It's not a negative word. Repent, you sinner. You know, we kind of, no, don't think like that. It means to think again. Change the way that you think. If not, if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. Remember Sardis, walls, we're safe, we're good. We've got these doctrines right, so we're safe in here. I don't need, I don't need to follow Jesus anymore. I prayed this prayer, so I'm good. I'm a member of this church. I was baptized as a baby. I'm good. I've been confirmed. And what, what are you trusting in now? What are you following You're following man-made doctrines? I 
I'll come like a thief. Whenever you see that in the New Testament, I'll come like a thief, it means this. Destruction, judgment, and harm. Jesus bringing destruction, judgment, and harm to the church in Sardis. And you will not know what hour I come against you. Wow, you've received some great teaching. You've had great doctrine. You have it down. But I never knew you. I never knew you. Verse 4. Yet you have still a few names. You can write above that. There is always a remnant. The churches that I've already listed, there's a remnant that's there. In the Catholic Church, there's a remnant that's there of born-again believers who haven't gone the way of compromise or the worship of whatever. There's always a remnant. In Sardis, people who have not soiled. Now, that Greek word soiled is M-O-L-U-N-O. It means stained, smeared, defiled, or polluted their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, this word garment here is used twice in Sardis. Also, it's listed in the church of Laodicea, which is where we'll be in two weeks. And so in Laodicea, the same thing. Your garments are soiled and they're dirty. I counsel you to buy, with, buy from me white garments. The two things that these churches have in common in Sardis and Laodicea is that Jesus has nothing good to say about them. Nothing. As you're here today, Chris, I just needed to be encouraged. You came at the wrong week, Church of Sardis. And if you need encouraged, Laodicea, you might want to miss that Sunday too. Because I will encourage you to repent. Because that's what Jesus is doing. Philly, you're going to get some encouragement next week. Be here, Philadelphia. Brotherly love. But not Laodicea. And by the way, Laodicea is, is the most important church for you to study because guess what we're in right now? The Laodicean church age. And all that glitters is not gold. And it's a warning to our churches. Don't skip ahead, though. I want you to turn to Matthew 22, please. Matthew 22. And we see garments here. Garments. Matthew 22, 9. It says, go therefore. Matthew 22, verse 9. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to, to the wedding feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was completely filled with guests. And so, listen, there is a lot of denominational churches, including ourselves, that are going out and invite, like, like we have outreaches, right? So we're going out, we're inviting in, we're inviting in, you know? And some people do come into the church, but they've never gotten the right garments. Maybe that's why you're here today, I don't know, because I don't, I don't want this to be said of you. But when the king came to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. So we remember that from 
chapter 3 in Revelation. Then he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him out into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called and few are chosen. This guy didn't have the right garments on. The church in Sardis. Your garments, are just, they're, just, they're just soiled. They're just soiled. Now, Chris, how do I get the right garments? Well, let me just, very simple. The thief on the cross. He never did one great thing for Jesus. In fact, he never left the cross. He died there. But what did he do? He said, Jesus, will you remember me in paradise? Will, will, will you remember, remember me? Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. That guy got into heaven. He didn't do one thing. He wasn't even baptized, by the way. Be careful of what your domination makes you do to join their church. The guy on the cross wasn't baptized, but Jesus said, you will be with me in fair. That, that is why we believe in grace alone, through faith alone, not of your works. Should you get baptized? Yes. It's a command by Jesus. But it doesn't get you in. It didn't get the guy on the cross in. He got in by grace through faith. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And that's where you get the garments. That's the only way you get the garments. Now, once you have the garments, let's turn to Revelation 19, 7, please. Once you have your garments on, don't get them dirty. Be careful where you walk. Oh, this is a beautiful text. Revelation 19.7. It says, let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. For the marriage lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So I want you to put made herself ready. I want you to put Ephesians 5. Because there it says that Jesus is bathing his bride in the word while she is spotless without blemish or fault. So listen, this is the paradox of the Bible. Jesus has the bigger part where he is purifying his bride by the washing of the water of the word so that she is splendor, glorious, and radiant. But Jesus has a part. He has the bigger part. But we also have a part, and our part is Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Which is what? It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So as we walk in Christ, we get robes of fine linen. So it is a both and. Now, if you try to get a white robe by your works, this Bible speaks about that, that's your righteousness as filthy rags. I can't work anything good apart from Christ. But if I'm in Christ, I've been clothed with his righteous robes. But also as I walk in the spirit, I'm making myself ready as the bride. That's discipleship, by the way. In church, are we making ourselves ready? You can't do it, though. You can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit, no matter how much fashion sense you have. And we'll talk more about that again 
soon. Verse 5, Revelation 3. The one who conquers, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. Now, I want you to turn to 1 John 5, please. So I just want to read this passage because this statement is here every single time in every letter of the church to one who conquers, to the one who conquers, to the one who conquers. So if there is a dead church you may happen to be in, you're not ruled out. To the one who conquers. How do you conquer? Well, the Bible answers that, 1 John 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, that when we love and we obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Why are they not burdensome? Because I can't keep them apart from the Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit of God, to help me keep these commandments. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. You want to highlight that. There's that word. Blessed is he who overcomes. Those who overcome, they have this victory, verse 4, that has overcome the world, our faith, faith alone, grace alone, through Christ, that's how you overcome. Who is it that overcomes, verse 5, the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I'm born again. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. This is what Scripture declares. Let's go. Back to verse 5. I will never blot out his name from the book of life. Never. Never. This is a promise. Your name is not going to be blotted out. You are saved by faith and grace. Through grace, by faith alone, alone. It's not your works. Now, when we look at um, the... 1 John 5, we see that if we really do believe, we're going to obey the commandments. But again, it's an outflow of being led by the Holy Spirit of God, a life that's in the Holy Spirit of God. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now, if you look at this text, how many times is name used? So we have twice name is in verse 5, okay? And then in verse 4, we have a few names, right? And then we have in uh, verse 1, it says, you have the reputation, making a name. So here's the thing that the Reformation did. It moved from finding my identity in Christ and Christ alone to, without even knowing, oh, I am Baptist. I am Pentecostal. I am, and now you're more, your name, you're more concerned with the name of your denomination than you are following Jesus. And it can happen 
to every single church, including bow down. Which is why verse 6, Revelation 3, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And verse 5, I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He's standing in my name. He's not denying my name. He's confessing and living in my name, not in a church's name, but in my name. In my name. And therefore, I'm going to confess him. Verse 6, he who has an ear to hear, let him speak what the Spirit says to the churches. And so, worship team, come on up, please. I just want to end with this. We've talked about a lot. We see what can happen when we can move from this relationship to a religion. And it can happen in everyone's life personally. But it also can happen in churches, even in bow down. So I don't want you to go out of here saying, oh, Protestant, Reformation, Lutheran. No. Listen, listen. When Jesus says, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, um, there's no denominations in heaven, guys. You're not going to go up there, oh, Baptist, you guys are all the way in the right. Hey, Pentecostals, there's the flags and the shouting and the shofars, right? Presby- you know, Presbyterians, yeah, they're dunking babies over there. You're not going to go to... You understand what I'm saying, right? Baptists, no dancing over there. I can, we can make jokes out, out, of them, out of them all, and I'm just kidding with you, but, but, I, but this is the concern. Christian, do you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like, do you want to be flooded with the Spirit of God as a way of life? Doctrine, it, might, it probably sounded like I'm like negative on doctrine. I'm not. I love doctrine. But doctrine compared to Jesus, it's not love at all. Jesus is everything to me. He's everything. And his spirit, I can't do life without it. I Holy Spirit, I can't. And some of you have been struggling with sin. And let me just say, the simplicity is this, Romans 8, 13, that if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you'll live. You can't overcome the sin that you're struggling with apart from the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, if you walk after the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. An extra Bible class isn't going to help you to overcome the flesh. It's you learning how to live in step with the Spirit of God. I'm so depressed. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so overcome. Listen, Romans 8, 5. It says, the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. So the key is not focusing on your depression, not focusing on that. The focusing on, Holy Spirit, you are here, and you are glorious, and you are on fire. Will you light me on fire? Will you become everything in my life? Because I don't want to live by my might. I don't want to live by my power. I don't want to live on my knowledge. It is by your Spirit, God. It's by your Spirit. And if you don't flood me, if you don't baptize me, if you don't soak me, if you don't 
drench me. I'm not going to be able to move in this world. You are called to be an overcomer. He has overcome. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within you, is within you. And you need the spirit or else you're not going to be able to walk out this Christian life. You need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. So listen, start with me. Father, forgive me. I've loved doctrine way too much. And in my arrogance and pride, I thought I was right and they were wrong. Forgive me for that. God, I've tried to set up way too many systems. And the motive, control, or to do it right. Forgive me for that. Forgive me for that. Forgive me, God, for forgetting about you. For pushing you off, Holy Spirit, and not welcoming you in because you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. Forgive me, God, for loving myself too much so that when you call me to do what I know you're calling me to do, I, I, I don't call on you, Holy Spirit, to help me overcome. I just give in to my flesh. I just give in. And guys, we're in that boat. We're here. We're in that boat together. None of us are righteous. No, not one. And what God is saying, I don't want you to be taken over like Sardis. That is not who you are. I've called you to overcome, but there's only one way. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fall. As we sing, as we adore you, Jesus, I pray, God, for everyone here that you would just give a, just a drenching and soaking of your presence, God. That you would just flood us, God, so that we would taste and see that you are good. So that you would fulfill what you said. That you're, you, you, you anoint our head with oil, God. We want the oil of the Holy Spirit to flood us, to come upon our head so that our cup overflows, God. And I thank you, God. I thank you for what your word declares. If you parents who are evil know how to give good gifts how much more does your father desire to pour out the holy spirit to give the holy spirit and we just want to open up our mouth this morning god trusting that you are going to fill us with more and more of your presence god holy spirit i thank you that we have been sealed when we put our faith in you, according to Ephesians 1.13, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. But we ask God for an outpouring. We ask for a pouring out over God. A coming upon of your holy presence upon our life. We want more, God. We want more, God. And I pray, God, for encounters this week as we shut everything down and we seek your face, Jesus. We want you, we want you, we want you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.